Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are locked on bucks. Your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric Name. I haven't Welcome seen... back. I was going to say, I haven't, I haven't talked to you guys in a while. It's, uh, it's a strange... It's a strange kind of thing not to record one of these for... I guess I kind of, what did I miss? Thursday and Friday? So it's not that long. Um, but <laughs> you, we've got through a hundred episodes basically before you missed one, <laughs> which is, is kind of, I didn't think, I think when, I remember when we started doing them in July, I think we were assuming that we would get other people to fill in pretty regularly and we just, we did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm back. Um, I'm refreshed. I'm ready to hop back into everything bucks um i'm eric name that who you just heard was frank madden we do this every day um one suggestion i got over this little break was that people don't know what our twitter handles are even you would assume that it it just is but you've changed yours and then someone told me that they thought my last name was mame instead of name (laughs) and name is somewhat difficult to spell so i'm going to say my twitter handle is at eric underscore nehm that's n as in nancy e h and m as in mary um and frank's is at f madden mba which is new for frank uh it is no longer at brew hoop but you should follow at brew hoop um as i tried to spell it on twitter if you were following frank before you're still following frank now but if you're following at brew hoop before you're no longer following at brew hoop so you should go follow at brew hoop <laughs> <laughs> right that i that and i'm sure that really clarifies things. yes follow at follow our our friends at brew hoop and um i mean i think we probably retweet them enough that probably hopefully people see that but i think also people I and mean, we've talked about certain people who you would think would follow both of us but only follow one of us and then because we retweet each other a lot like they don't realize that they're not following both of us um yes absolutely. so so I guess you could argue if you follow one of us that you'll probably get most of the most salient yes. uh, points that the other makes. But you know, hey, throw throw some followers. I was excited that the the new Brew Hoop account had like it was an old old account that we had made up a while ago, and then we just changed it to at Brew Hoop, um, and it had like twenty followers as of you know like ten days ago, and it's up to a thousand fifty four. So that's cool. But we need it needs more, and and Eric Benning and company. Mitchell Adam, they're doing a, a good job with it. So, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so while I was gone, uh, we had some wonderful people fill in. Adam and Mitchell one day, uh, Ben Thompson as well another day. Um, so people filled in for me, and I'm very thankful for that. But I'm ready to get back into it. So since the last time anyone talked to you on Lockdown Bucks, the Bucks played two games. The first was a loss to the Timberwolves, one sixteen ninety nine on Friday. Um, oh my God, Eric. Oh my god they lost the game 
Sorry, that's just my summary of of Bucks Twitter slash comment sections. Whenever the Bucks don't play well. Okay. <laughs> On Saturday, they won one sixteen ninety six to the Bulls. Do you have a summary for that too, or do you want me to do this one? Uh, I don't know. Oh I my God, they're the best team on earth. <laughs> it, was that was that good? Yeah, something like that. The 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 emotions, man. <laughs> it is a ups and downs. Ups and I forget. Downs. I forget. Some who, somebody, somebody I follow is Gabe and Stoltz. I retweet. It was Gabe. Gabe Stoltz, Yeah, said something about how Buck's Twitter is just an emotional roller coaster, and I think that is extremely accurate. <laughs> Yes. If when they lose, when they lose, people are just like out for blood. When they when they win, everybody's so thrilled. It's just like, wow, man. Can you imagine when like when they actually knock on wood, actually become like legitimately good? People are. I don't even know. I don't even know what's gonna happen with that at that point. I I totally agree. Um, but yeah, it there it is black and white. There are no shades of gray. Uh, a loss is the end of the world. And a win is I don't even know the the board I don't even the birth of a new child it's it's I'm trying to think of the extremes that you're trying to capture but yeah it definitely is like that um, so I, get- I I will say I will say this in fairness I mean some of these wins you know the the Wizards game where Giannis goes for 39 the um, you know this game this last game against Chicago I mean you know pick a Chicago game right yeah um, but this this last game on Friday where, you know, Giannis puts up in another insane stat line. Jabari goes for like the quietest, most efficient 27. You barely noticed it. Brogdon of all guys gets a triple double. Uh, Thon hits another three. I mean, you know, the, 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 the wins are far more worth celebrating now than they have been pretty much certainly since I've covered the team. Um, but still, the the emotions certainly. But the, as, the, at the, the same, amplitude of of emotions is is extremely high right now. At the same time, the losses may be just as bad. Like you you get just drubbed by the wolves and look awful. Uh, some of the games where you've given up huge leads, where you looked at garbage and crunch time. So like I understand the insane range of emotions, but. It is one hell of a roller coaster ride. Um, there's no doubt about that. So, I, I guess the biggest story from these two games is Matthew Delavadova out with a hamstring strain, um, and with that comes. By the way, it's, it's so funny. It's so funny hearing that the biggest story from two games could be anything about Matthew Delavadova. But can 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 continue because I know that you're getting to a, a legitimately hotly debated question. <laughs> Uh, so Delhi misses two games and brings about two starts from Malcolm Brogdon, who every uh, Bucks fan has fallen in love with, rightfully so, because I mean the Bucks pick him at thirty-eight, and he literally answers every question you could have ever had about him. He he just keeps playing well. He keeps performing, and. Night in, night out, he has been consistent for this Bucks team. And any questions, any problems you throw at him, he's just been able to handle. And and that's not something you can normally say for, I mean, any second round pick, let alone any rookie, any first round pick. That that's just not something that you expect. So on on Friday against the Timberwolves, it's eleven points, four rebounds, four assists, and a steal. 
people don't talk about that one quite as much. Um, on Saturday, it was 15 points, 12 assists, 11 rebounds uh, for Brogdon. The first triple-double by a Bucks rookie in franchise history. I think the first triple-double by a rookie drafted in the second round in their rookie season as well. Um, so pretty impressive stuff from Malcolm Brogdon. And I, where it where it leads is... Delhi has struggled. Brogdon keeps playing well. Do the Bucks have a point guard, a point guard controversy? Um, do the Bucks need to start Malcolm Brogdon at point guard the rest of the season, or uh, not even the rest of the season? Is that a change that needs to occur whenever Delhi's healthy? We don't know if he's going to be back on Monday, um, but is that a change the Bucks need to make, Frank? Well, so let's start by by sort of setting the table with what what we know and sort of the facts around the matter, right? Because right. I think obviously a lot of it depends on sort of the some of the assumptions that you make around it. Um, so you know, and, and I want I want to provide a little bit of context with um, with lineups, right? Because that's always interesting. But again, you know, thirty games in, a lot of these lineups have played you know not a ton of time together. So take it all with a grain of salt. But it is what it is. So the Delhi starting five with Henson has been a slight negative overall. Um, they were better with Plumley. They were a slight positive with Plumley in far fewer minutes than they were with Henson. And, you know, this is kind of, I don't want to derail this into a, like, referendum, referendum on John Henson, but um, I, I think that's another discussion about, you know, is John Henson really worth starting mm-hmm. moving forward? But let, let's table that for now. Um, the Brogdon starting five um, in a small sample of 51 minutes um, has actually been... A negative. They've been minus seven, which over 51 minutes is actually works out to a really bad uh, net differential. And they've been, you know, again, in net rating terms, horrible defensively. But OK, small sample. Right. Um, Brogdon, obviously, if you look at their individual numbers, has been better than Delhi in pretty much every way other than in terms of, you know, assists per minute. Right. Delhi's been, I think, like seven point two per 36. I think Brogdon's under six. But, you know, respectable numbers from Brogdon for yeah. sure. Um but Brogdon's been better everywhere else. Field goal percentage, three-point percentage. I mean, he's been terrific from three, right? 44%. Not a super high volume. He's not a guy who's, you know, shooting off the dribble threes or, you know, contested threes. He's he's this kind of open spot of shooter. But, okay, 44%, you know, on decent volume. You, you absolutely take that from him. Um, and, you know, I think you just watch him, right? Um, Brogdon, uh, you know, we talked about, he, you know, he's not like a, a super explosive guy. But he's... I think we can say after especially all these dunks he's thrown down, he's probably, you know, sneaky athletic. He's long. He's able to, you know, at times especially catch guys by surprise and get to the rim. And he's, you know, he's long and he's strong. And, and he's certainly a much better finisher than Delhi, who, you know, in the pantheon of, of starting-ish point guards might be the worst sort of rim finisher. You know, he's just not going to get to the basket. And he, he's just not that kind of, of threat um, off the dribble. And, and he just hasn't shot the ball that well, you know, being the low 30s from three. You know, we've kind of seen fits and starts from him, but but hasn't been great. Um, I should note as well, over the last month, basically every buck other than Beasley has been a positive net differential, um, kind of a clear positive net effort differential. The team, you know, as much as we worried about December and the schedule, Kind of like two years ago, you know, they had a good mm-hmm. surprising start, and then we worry about December and the schedule catching up to them, and their depth, and obviously this time around Giannis, and in particular, um, you know, really kind of carried them through a difficult part of their schedule to an eight and eight record in December. So, you know, all things were sort of trending in the right direction, even if Delhi's numbers have obviously been pretty underwhelming. Um, 
And we've talked, obviously, last week a lot about the Bucks' struggles in crunch time, right? And they've been, you know, depending on the metric you use, among the worst or the worst uh, crunch time teams, just in terms of, like, net differential and things like that, which, okay, yeah, they're young, you know, they're going to have some growing pains, et cetera, et cetera, but you never want to be worse than in the league, you know? When, you're, yeah. when, you, when you have the eighth best point differential in the league, you shouldn't be last in the league in crunch time um, differential. And obviously, we've talked a lot about Delhi. And the fact that, you know, one of the best ways to get Giannis is involved is as a, you know, a role guy and, um, you know, getting mismatches and, and trying to get him mismatches in the post. And lots of we've seen lots of two man game with with Delhi. And when they're able to get the ball to Giannis, that works pretty damn well. But defenses obviously will force, you, you know, Delhi to be the guy who, who shoots. They take away Giannis, the role man. And, you know, Delhi just has not played well at all in crunch time, has not been able to hit shots. And, you know, I don't think he's as bad as his crunch time numbers, whatever it was, like five out of 25 shooting. Okay, he's not that he's not that bad yeah. of a shooter, right? You, you would expect that to, to get better. Snell's been bad in crunch time as well. Um, but he's been bad. So I think that's sort of like the table setting. Um, and And for me... I'll give you my general opinion, and I think we can talk a lot because, you know, the the effect of starting Brogdon or whatever is is obviously has impacts on second unit, and I know that's a big topic that that you know um, that you've raised on Twitter as well. It's not just you know, um, it's not it's you know, liking Brogdon isn't simply a matter of just saying, oh, you've been good, go start, right? Same with Monroe. Um, but for me, I think the thing that makes me think, you know, especially with Brogdon starting now. Again, I mean, they haven't started well at all the last two games, right? I mean, they looked terrible to start the Minnesota game. They were terrible mm-hmm. to start the Chicago game. And obviously Brogdon and the rest of the team kind of came around a bit later, never really turned the corner in, in the Minnesota game. But for me, it's really about like, okay, big picture, where are you going with this team? Who are the guys that you're building around? We have these question marks at point guard and center in particular. We'll talk about center, not today, but point guard in particular. <laughs> um, who who are you going forward with? And you know, I, I'm I don't think it's the end of the world if Delhi continues to start when he comes back from his injury. Because let's be honest, it's not like Delhi's playing or or should be playing 35 minutes. Um, Brogdon's played 22 minutes per game. Um, I think Brogdon's played well enough that that number should go up regardless of whether or not he starts. Um, and we can make arguments, obviously, about whether Delhi should start because he needs to be with Giannis more, and maybe Brogdon with that second unit can can sustain stuff better there. But, um, but I think basically, you know, it comes down a lot to crunch time and who might be a long term solution at point guard. And Delhi is fine as a placeholder; he's not as bad as he's been. Um, he'll get better, I think. But Brogdon, we don't know as much about, right? I mean, we've been trying to figure out Brogdon and how good he is, and we've been cautious about that for the last, you know, basically since July. And I think, you know, you should I think I think kid owes it to the team and, you know, the big picture to try to figure out can Brogdon get this team, make them better in crunch time. And maybe that's playing with Della Vadova even, as we've mentioned, give them kind of two guys who can make plays in pick and roll. Um, but I think Brogdon needs to be, you know, playing in crunch time with the honest Jabari at all. And it's easier to get guys into crunch time if they're also starting. It's easier to get guys more minutes if they're starting. So I think for me, the conclusion especially given that you know brogdon's here starting to get these minutes with delavidova out is you know when delavidova comes back you know bring him off the bench and and kind of see how it goes and um you know it's not to say that brogdon is gonna be the guy that you know we say yep don't ever consider finding another guy he's your you know 
point guard for the next decade. <laughs> you know, we're we're a ways from being that sure about it, but obviously the early returns from him have been great. You know, he's everything you hear about him off the court, his maturity, I mean, all that stuff is is I think everybody's certain about that. Um and his game is followed. So I, I will cast a vote for for continuing to start Malcolm Brogdon um for those reasons and, and kind of, you know, I think it could help this year. Um but obviously I think probably the bigger thing is, you know, maybe he's the guy that you move forward with. Oh man, that's a lot, Frank. Um, I, I, I guess we're to a point where I continually ask questions of Malcolm Brogdon. I ask whether or not he can he can continue, if he can sustain a certain type of play. And at this point, he's done it every single time. So. Uh, I think we're getting to a point where it's unfair for me to even, uh, I'm not going to stop questioning it, but I, I, I guess I should stop expecting it to go any differently. Every time I've done it, he, he's proven something here. So I, I think it's, I, I, there's a lot of things that make this conversation so interesting to me. Um, I think the big thing for me is after Malcolm struggled a little bit on Friday uh, against the T-Wolves. Um, I mentioned that I kind of thought that what I saw on Friday was what I was concerned about, was that, okay, maybe with this unit he might not do as well. Maybe he, that synergy that he has with Monroe we'll see less of. We won't get to see as much of it. And that was kind of what happened. He, he didn't play as much with Mon- with Monroe. He ended up playing a bunch of minutes, but they weren't all that effective, and he, he just never found a flow. And I said something to the effect of, well, I know they're not going to take him out of the starting lineup because you're not going to do that to him, but part of me wonders if you could start Terry as a, a J-O-B starter, get four minutes, and then bring him in nice and early with Monroe and maybe stretch out Monroe's minutes a little bit. And that's kind of what happened. Monroe played a season-high 34 minutes. We got 26 minutes of uh, Monroe and Brogdon in that Bulls game. And I think I looked it up the other night, and their net rating was like plus 48 in those 26 (laughs) minutes, Uh, which obviously is way – way crazier than you'd imagine. But on the season, those two together, that two-man lineup, that two-man pairing, is plus 14 as a net rating, and that's in 456 minutes. So I I think that's substantial, and I think that's significant. So my biggest thing with moving Brogdon to the starting lineup, with him playing more, I don't want to break up whatever Brogdon and Monroe have. And I don't want to see it decrease. If anything, I want to see their minutes increase together. And I I guess so 456 minutes for those two together, 32 games, you're looking at about 14 minutes uh, per game that those two are playing together. 26 minutes on, on Saturday against the Bulls, I don't know if that, that might even be too much, but if that number can get around 20, 22, I, I, I just think that, for me, the big thing with Brogdon, when you brought this up before we started recording, I said, I don't want to sacrifice any Monroe-Brogdon minutes. That That is where I draw the line. So <laughs> if, you can, if you can figure out ways to do it, like you said, like you brought up a lot of good ideas that maybe it's 
Henson taking a, a shorter stint to start and stretching out Monroe. Maybe it's moving Monroe to the starting lineup. Whatever it is, as long as you figure out, and I say you as the coaching staff of the Milwaukee Bucks, whatever the Bucks can figure out to keep those minutes the same and for me not to lose any Monroe Brogdon minutes, then I'm cool with it. Like At, at this point, like you said, he's outplaying Delhi. There, There's no doubt that he is. I just think all the other circumstances around the the move matter more than is Brogdon better than Delhi, and, and and I think a lot of the times it's in an NBA regular season you're not necessarily worried about can I get my five best players can I play my five best players as much as I can every night. It's more about okay, how do I try to find advantages? How do I try to maximize my five best players' potential? Uh, how do I try to make the most out of every minute of this game? And right right now, it, it seems to me like the bench is a major positive, and a lot of that comes from, obviously, Monroe and Brogdon playing together. So does forcing those into those five or, or those two into the starting five then all of a sudden mean you're running out lineups of Delhi, Terry, uh, Beasley, Toledovich, Henson. That sounds like a scary bench unit to me. That, uh, And I know you're going to stagger. Not in a good way. Yeah, yeah. you're going to stagger Giannis, you're going to stagger Jabari, whatever. You're going to stagger someone else in there to help with playmaking. I get that. But at the same time, a, a bench contingent made up of those five players might not be quite the positive of the current bench. So, I don't know. I think it's tough to try to balance all those different things right now, and that's kind of my major concern. Um, It's not necessarily about Brogdon. It's about what that move means to the synergy and the chemistry of your other lineups and what you have going on right now. Yeah, and that's fair. And, I I mean, if you look at the last – if you look at the last month, right, and again, cherry picking data, um, but since you know basically the month of December, they go eight and eight. Um, the starting five with Delavadova and Henson has been a plus eleven net rating, right? That's not which bad. Is, which is which is good, right? <laughs> if you, yeah. If your yes, starters are plus eleven, you're you're very happy, especially if you have a bench that can build on that even further. And actually, you know, the, the, they had a plus 6.5 net rating as a team uh, in the month of December and the starters were better than the average. So that's kind of, you know, it's kind of more what you'd think like, oh, you have a good starting five, you're outscoring people. Now, flip side is, you know, you have some of these other lineups and that was 232 minutes from that starting group. Um, you do have, uh, you know, the 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 Moose, Brogdon, Giannis, Jabari, Tony Snell. Basically, if you, you know, sort of take the Monroe Brogdon pairing into the starting five, they were plus 21 in 23 minutes, right? But now you're getting into small sample size. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're still carrying over some good things. But, yeah. you know, to be honest, a lot of these lineups in December looked really good because they just generally were good. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the interesting thing is, uh, you know, and, and uh, granted it was probably part, maybe it wasn't so much by choice, but, you know, Kid brought in Monroe and Toledovich at the eight-minute mark um, on on uh, Saturday and they immediately go on a 7-0 run uh, after the slow start Um, as you mentioned you know basically Henson was used kind of like a J-O-B starter which um, you know let's be honest I I don't know we were joking last week about how the whole narrative some people are pushing of Henson becoming a really good starter um, isn't necessarily like 
have much factual basis <laughs> other than um, you know like some of his individual stats um, looking solid. But that's unfortunately that's kind of been a, a long running theme with John Henson is that his his individual stats tend to be you know efficiency numbers even tend to be, look pretty good, but the Bucks just are always worse when he's on the court, and unfortunately that's kind of carried over. But um, but like I said, the starters have been good this month, so that's that's a positive. Um, but yeah, maybe you bring Monroe in early, and, and that's how you do it. Yeah, and like I said, I think there are ways to do it. I'm just telling you the, uh, a thing that I prioritize, and, and it's the eye test. It's what the numbers tell me. I just enjoy the hell out of watching Monroe and Brogdon play together, and I think there is there's something to the way those two guys play, their understanding of the game that – I've mentioned before that if you keep Monroe on the bench and that Delhi and Monroe aren't going to have that same chemistry and Delhi and Brogdon are similar-ish players. Um, obviously, there's some major differences there, but maybe talent level, they're going to be similar-ish right now. And I don't, I don't know. I, I just <laughs> I don't want to see Brogdon and Monroe come to an end unless it comes to an end by them being ineffective as long as it's effective i want to maximize it and i just want to watch it and watch them throw bounce passes and watch them remain ground bound except for when brogdon randomly dunks on someone like i i just like watching it well i think the interesting thing is though is is if they're only playing 14 minutes together and they're both playing i think 20 minutes for monroe 22 for for brogdon i, I was actually kind of surprised by that i mean it seemed like you know it's almost to me it seemed like they played together even more than that I, um, well i mean that's I, that's an average for the season i would assume yeah. at the start of the year it wasn't quite as much and recently it's been more per game but i would have to double check that yeah i mean but i think the upside is there are ways to do this where you're you know if you play both of those guys let's say five more minutes a game, right? Mm-hmm. And Brogdon, if he's starting, probably more. But um, but I think you can play Moose five more minutes per game. You can probably play Brogdon more minutes per game. And if you do that, obviously, it may be a case where you know, you're, not, you're not sacrificing total minutes um, together. You're just kind of adding more minutes with other guys. And, and obviously Brogdon and, and Moose have both been, been very good with other players. I, I think one of the... the one of the interesting stats when I was kind of playing around with, with NBA Wowie, and I, I noticed this a while ago, but um, it's interesting now with the sample size being even higher. Um, I, w- I was very surprised that Jabari, we, I mean, we talked at the beginning of the season about Jabari needing to become like that guy who can carry second units. And I, I was surprised. I mean, we, we've seen him do that now often at the end of first quarters where he'll kind of mm-hmm. go off and get like 11 or 13 points with Giannis partially on the bench. Um, we saw in Chicago uh, with the starters, they kind of went through him a lot to start the third quarter. They kind of just ran over and over these Brogdon, Jabari high pick and rolls and had Jabari kind of just work um, from the top on a lot of times Taj Gibson. Um, he had one where he kind of slipped a screen, which was kind of interesting. Um, Jabari, you know, we kind of he's it's kind of funny. Like Jabari normally is kind of it's almost like he doesn't know because he can shoot and, you know, he can obviously finish at the rim. It's like he doesn't know if you should roll or pop. Um, and there was one play where he just slipped a screen. And a lot, I feel like a lot of times he just like is so worried about like setting a screen and just sort of like standing there for a while that it's like, well, you know, Jabari, you kind of you got to do something after it. You know, it's, you're not just trying to get Brogged into the rim or Delhi to the rim or something. But let me um, 
as I say, let me say, I love that set that they start. I think it's, I think it's primarily mostly those two games, but it's like a middle pick and roll with Brogdon either going to his right or left. And then they were running with Giannis and Jabari where essentially Brogdon goes to the side that already has two players. So it pushes three players to say the right side of the floor. And then Jabari or Giannis like slips into top of the key area somewhere in there. And then they just get a bounce pass. And then they already have a head start on their guy. And then they only have one shooter on that left side. So you're creating space. You're overloading a side. You're giving them a head start. You're putting a shooter with them. Like you're making the defense make some decisions there. And it's, I think it's the last two. It was the last two games that I really noticed that they could have been running it more often lately, but it's a really, it's a, a neat little set where it works and it creates it creates something and that's always kind of a, a struggle with the bucks and some of the action they run is actually creating something creating some sort of advantage and especially with Giannis and Jabari I think they've struggled with that at times and I just wanted to give a little kudos there because it's it's a creative little way to get things done well and I think the thing we're seeing from Jabari is when he has a mismatch now when he's got a smaller guy on him it's over he he is absolutely like locked in. He is just gonna just bully the shit out of that guy. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> we saw him do it to both Butler and Wade. I mean, you know, he, he's just he's quick like a smaller guy and strong like you know a power forward. And he just knows how to use that body. He knows how to use his butt to just <laughs> clear room. And you know, these guys are. I mean, you know, hey, twenty five year old Wade was a great. You know, was the greatest. Uh, at the rim shot blocker of any guy who was you know six four or smaller uh, current Dwayne Wade no he's not he's not stopping Jabari Parker and we saw him do it to Zach Levine I think a couple times yeah um he's just he can absolutely work guys when he gets that mismatch and get just right to the rim for for layups and I mean that that is powerful and so the punchline of what I was getting at was per 36 minutes um in lineups with Greg Monroe with no Giannis Jabari is averaging 26.7 points per 36. He averages about 22.1 overall, but 26.7 points per 36 on 68% true shooting. He's about 57%, <laughs> which is really good overall. Um, I think with, with Giannis, um, he's like 20.5 points per 36 and like 53 or 54% true shooting. So, I mean, you can kind of see, like, he's he's necess- not necessarily a guy who, you know, obviously he's, he's going to get the ball last with Giannis around because Giannis is ball dominant even if he's unselfish. But that is a very cool, I mean, again, we can play it and like, oh, my God, he's not destroying with Giannis. Can they play together? Like, just don't worry about it. Like, they, they've been, their lineups have been beating teams over the last month. Like, they're very much a, a major plus together now. Um, and Jabari, the fact that he's now sort of unlocked that ability to just be that primary scorer. Um, and in particular with Greg Monroe, who's been obviously a great sort of, you know, secondary facilitator from from the high post, which obviously, you know, is not something that Henson or Plumley can do. I mean, I think that's a really encouraging thing to see. I was going to say the the interesting thing where you said that he's quick enough to beat people, but then also strong enough to beat people. And, and I think I've been trying to figure out why he, he's, he's so easily able to transition between those two things. Like I, I think for a while he kind of struggled with just putting his head down and get making decisions too early. And he still struggles with that at times, but lately it seems like, 
either he'll get that quick first step and he'll beat someone or he understands maybe a little bit better that if he doesn't get that quick first step that he can just use his barrel chest and his big body and just move guys off the ball and it i don't know it's been it's been kind of cool to see him start to have a little bit more control in for him to control his pace and use his strength and have a little bit more patience. I, it's just been a fun couple of weeks here as he's starting to to figure all these things out. So, I, I think I think one of the really hard things for young players is to find ways to be both decisive and patient. Yeah. Um, and I think we saw Jabari has always tried to be decisive in not over dribbling and you know not dwelling on the ball. He's not like you know again as much as people compare him to Car- Carmelo for for some for good reasons because again I think a lot largely because of that ability to be a bully ball guy as well as a guy who can go outside now and shoot. Um, but I think the fact that he now can say okay I'm going to drive on you, but I'm not going to worry about getting a shot up you know after one dribble right i'm gonna i can i got, I got time to work you mm-hmm. and he's not worried about you know oh god are people gonna think i'm a ball hard? i'm not that i don't know if he was ever worried about that but it did seem like he was you know kind of overcompensating in terms of um passing at times so i think that's been a really positive thing and i mean he's up over 50 percent shooting overall from the field and he's shooting 38 percent from three on obviously you know higher volume than than we saw a year ago and you know that's why obviously his efficiency has been just you know going up and up and up over the, as the season has gone on i always thought it was kind of deferring to teammates uh, i thought when we really yeah. saw him do that was um i'm sure in the floor with Giannis, i i he's kind of taken a step before me he should have it or last year i thought it was with Monroe would happen a lot where Monroe was on the floor and okay, well, this is Greg's time, which I mean that, that kind of would be the veteran kind of style pecking order. But when you're supposed to be the, the best young player or one of the best young players on the team, some, sometimes the pecking order gets a little bit uh, mixed around there and and you got to take your shots. Um, But yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And I, 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 after every game, I always think to myself, man, I should talk about Jabari way more. Or after every time we record one of these, I think, man, I should talk about Jabari way more because he's making strides. And there's, I guess there's just so many positive things coming from this team right now that it's difficult to try to talk about them all. And good God, I don't think I've ever said that about a Bucks team. <laughs> so uh, what what is your prediction on... Uh, so I think the, the, the takeaway was I'm, you know, yeah... Just give it to Brogdon. We got to figure this out. Um, your, hey, just make sure I I keep those 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 uh, Brogdon Monroe minutes one way or another. Um, what is your actual prediction, Nick? And then we don't know. I guess it, you know we don't know particularly when Delhi is going to come back. This is uh, Sunday night we're recording. But um, what do you think is actually going to happen? Do you think that kid goes back to Delhi in the starting five, or do you think that he'll stick with Brogdon? I think Delhi comes back as a starter and a closer. Um, I, I just think that with all the things we we hear kids say about Delhi and all the the praise that is heaped on him, I, I think that he'll kind of just return to that role as he comes back. Um, I do think we'll start to see more Brogdon. 
Um, so maybe that means Delhi starts and closes and in the middle, maybe there's a little bit more Brogdon there. Maybe that means Delhi gets pulled a little bit earlier. Um, but I do think he starts and closes. Uh, I think they do value. I, th- I think they value Delhi and maybe some of his other less noticeable skills a, a lot more than, than maybe we do uh, from afar from outside of the organization. All right, I'll take the contrarian view. Um, I will guess that if Brogdon continues to, you know, again, and, and maybe I could be proven wrong the day this comes out, but um, but especially with a hamstring, you know, maybe he comes back on a slight minutes restriction as well. Um, yeah, that's true. I, I think that could be cover for him to reward the player who's played better. You know, I mean, of all the guys who would be sort of entitled to have a starting spot, I think, Delhi is really not that kind of player and I know they like Delhi but it's also not like they're you know giving him the Plumley treatment and and just burying him on the bench right I mean they yeah. <laughs> one way or another they need Delhi to play um and again I mean if he's a 20 minute player per game versus a 28 minute player per game I mean whatever Delvadova is not <laughs> not going to pout about it uh he's not going to demand a trade or something I think that's just sort of you know the way it goes so um so yeah I I think um I'll I'll predict that 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 we'll see Brogdon probably take over the starting spot here in the short term and um you know we'll see how it goes um I think uh I, I'd love to get into this to the center stuff too but I feel like we should just stop here um for now um I know maybe just a quick unless you had anything else on that maybe we just talk a little bit about this game um uh, tonight against the Thunder I think that's a great idea Frank we've uh... As always, we've already talked way too much, um, but that's fine. Let's let's do a quick Thunder preview. So, and I'm going to regret probably saying this after Westbrook drops, you know, 45, 15, Oh, wow. I don't know something. what you're going to do right now. Well, well, I mean, I'm not, pretty, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to shut down Russell Westbrook, but I think when you think about the way the Bucks play defense, right, um, the fact that they are basically a team with the way they overload the strong side, they, you know, are a team that basically looks to shut down your first action. That's sort of the a lot of the the starting point for what they do. Um, I want to say I'm, I'd have to look up, but I, I think they they might have the fewest points allowed to pick and roll ball handlers, something like that. But you know, basically, like obviously, if you want to beat them, you do it by working the ball around and, and shooting you know corner threes and things like that. Um, which for teams that can shoot, obviously, you can beat the Bucks that way. Um, for a team like Oklahoma City. I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, again, we kind of joke about, I, I joked last week about the first thing I always do when I look up an opponent is look up how many threes they shoot. <laughs> um, and, and that's my first barometer of, of whether the Bucks are, are have a, you know, a good chance to win or not. Um, Oklahoma City's obviously played very well. Westbrook's been, you know, right there with, with Harden for MVP. Um, Giannis maybe under the radar, I'd say right maybe behind those two guys just based on team record stuff. But, um, but I think uh, I don't know. I think the Bucks actually, if their scheme is going to work against teams like the Bulls, um, it may be also relatively better suited to, to stopping a guy like Westbrook. And obviously, they, you know, the Oklahoma City also has had a good defense, so um, so you have to score points. But um, but I think you know at least uh, at the face of it, this this might be a, a better matchup for them than maybe against some other good teams. Yeah, I I. I... I don't think I've thought about uh, whether or not it's it's geared to shut down a star or a role player, but I guess it, it logically it would make sense if you're gonna 
try to overload that hopefully you can take away that first action and uh to look at three point attempts uh the thunder 17 uh overall in the league uh so not near the bottom but in the middle so maybe it won't be a a team that really takes advantage of their three-point shooting percentage though is near the bottom of the league at 28 um so that might be helpful for the bucks and yeah it's Man, it's going to be fascinating uh, just just to see the the two forces of nature, Westbrook and Giannis, <laughs> on the same floor. Like uh, this is one of those games where if 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 you're the type of person that says, "Well, I'm not just going to go to the Bradley Center to see the Bucks play the Nets or something like that," well, tomorrow night is one of those nights that if you're the type that needs to to see a great talent which the Bucks have a bunch of. Giannis is a great talent. Jabari is a great talent. Um, but if you're one of those people, tomorrow, tomorrow night, tonight, whatever, Monday night against the Thunder is one of those nights. Uh, it's going to be awesome. That, that, that's, to me, that's, the, that's my preview for this game. Russell Westbrook versus Giannis is going to be awesome. All right, just to give some color. So the Bucks are fourth in the league in terms of best points per play allowed on pick and rolls or so ball handlers scoring 0.77. Um, they are far and away, they've allowed far and away the fewest um, points total um, by that means. And obviously, you know, the, the, the flip side obviously is that those are, you know, pick and roll ball handler is generally a lower efficiency number. So kind of like post-ups, you know, it's like, why do the Bucks always double team post-ups? It's like, you know, you should actually want teams to try to shoot, you know, score out of posts for the most part. Um, that's obviously lower efficiency. The Bucks pretty much take that away um, relative to pretty much every other team, just the way they defend. Um, I'd have to double check if um, if it's a similar story for isolation, but you, know, you kind of get the picture that that uh, of the type of of things the Bucks you know do defensively. And um, for a guy like Westbrook, obviously. He's not a guy who stands in the corner and waits for ball rotations to get open threes. So, um, <laughs> so it'll it'll be interesting to see you know kind of where where the Bucks shake out there um, in terms of uh, you know the tomorrow um, can they can they at least contain Russell Westbrook? Although realistically, I mean usually these games come down to you know the stars get theirs. You hope that maybe you can hold Westbrook to a, a lower efficiency night, and then can you? keep other guys in check right so yeah uh, so i mean i guess kind of a cool thing Cantor, monroe uh both of those guys like have been cool put, have been put into like those bench roles like it's it's an like as a i guess looking at the evolving nature of the nba like that's like a thing now the the big guys that don't play a ton of defense and what can they do offensively in their limited minutes like that's a interesting thing I mean, we're looking at an Ursan revenge game. <laughs> well, it can't go any worse than the MCW revenge game. <laughs> um, one for six for poor MCW and uh, generally looking very much like the new MCW is the old MCW. Um, so, uh, Ooh, yeah. I tweeted it on Saturday night, Frank, but remember when people – so people would always say, like, MCW is a good passer, and my retort would always be, well, tell me what his best pass was. I now have seen his best pass. <laughs> that, oh, yeah? That over-the-shoulder three-quarter court down to Dwayne. Oh, Wade, yeah. That's yeah. that's the best pass I've ever seen him throw. And yeah. that, and that was, was that like was, a totally lucky. <laughs> I, I'm not saying – I I wasn't going to go there, Frank. I'm just saying it was an impressive highlight pass that I will now remember 
for the rest of my life. And I could not tell you another one like that for MCW. So there did it you is. enjoy did you enjoy uh speaking of nice passes, did you enjoy Jabari Parker's uh Kevin Love style two handed outlet pass to Malcolm Brogdon for that layup uh, in the third quarter? I did enjoy it. Yeah. And I, he and he had that he had that easier lead pass to Giannis, but I mean that was like, you know, just that was that was not necessarily a challenging pass, but it was nice to see Jabari setting setting dudes up with uh, with for some transition buckets. Yes, the the general, I, I guess, just seeing highlight plays from this Bucks team and then seeing dudes smile after them on the floor. Like the Bucks have to. This is the most I've ever seen people smile. Like I think on yeah, Jabari smiling a lot. Jabari, like, I think we got one out of Giannis, Brogdon for sure. Monroe had one. I, Thon smiles regularly. John Henson smiles all the time. Like, uh, there's a very Jet smiles. Like, it's a very happy team. And I don't. That's not a thing you can measure, but it's just interesting. And it generally refre- reflects my emotion while watching them play. <laughs> did you? Did you? Uh, th- did you see Jabari's post game interview uh, in Detroit uh, last week? Whatever Wednesday or, or no early. He he actually like seemed not miserable to be talking about <laughs> basketball. Um, granted, he he played a great game and they won, um, but he even made a joke about about Telly's uh, suit looking oh, yeah. good or something like that. I was did. like, oh my god, Jabari, feeling at ease uh, in a post game presser. That's nice. And then Giannis did like was bouncing around behind him, and Henson was like overseeing the whole thing and. I think I think in that game Monroe was was BSing with Telly after the game too and something yeah, they did the same then, thing on Saturday night yeah, too with, so with Giannis, every, everyone's with Giannis having a good time post game now yeah. so they're they're a, they're a happy team and that's that's cool with me and I I tweeted it out but the best part um, you guys may have seen I, I I there I had a tweet about it if you guys missed it but there's video multiple angles uh, of the uh, ice bath that uh, you know the sort of the Gatorade shower <laughs> that Brogdon got in the locker room Giannis and I think one other guy dumped a bunch of water on Brogdon and then they kind of jumped around in celebration with him and uh, gotta gotta give a shout out to Jabari Parker he had a towel and he immediately uh, tried to put the towel down over the wet uh, ice water that had been thrown on the ground so safety first Jabari Parker trying to make sure that that stuff gets cleaned up. So uh, not letting a good time get in the way <laughs> of uh, of cleanliness. So good job, Jabari. And um, yeah, we'll see how things go against the Thunder uh, on Monday. And um, I guess sometime this week we're going to have to do New Year's resolutions for the Bucks. Um, but uh, tweet at us your your ideas. At our Twitter accounts that that Eric mentioned, <laughs> F Madden NBA. I thought I tried to think of a better one than F Madden NBA, but I was just like, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I, I it, works. it works. I'm not anonymous. Like I, people know. You know, I like to whatever. But um, you get the drift. No, it works. At F Madden NBA and at Eric underscore name N E H M. Uh, yeah, send us some New Year's resolutions. I don't know when we'll get to it this week. Um, Bucks go. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday uh, this week. So we'll have to maybe sneak it in when we're previewing a game uh, sometime this week. But, yeah, send those over our way. Um, as always, comment on uh, on Brew Hoop uh, where you'll be able to find our pods. Comment on iTunes or whatever podcasting service you use. Subscribe. Uh, 
all those things help us out um, and hearing kind of what you guys think helps us out as well. So uh, be sure to let us know. And we will talk to you again tomorrow because we do this every day here on Locked on Bucks. Obviously, check out the rest of the Locked on NBA network. Um, great stuff for literally every team. So, And especially, I think it's really useful if you listen to the opponent for the upcoming game. So if you'd go check out the last Locked on Thunder episode, that's going to give you a good idea of what's going on and what you should expect for the Thunder on Monday. Um, But, yeah, that'll be it for us for today. We'll talk to you tomorrow. That was Frank Men. I'm Eric Name. This was Locked on Bucks. The kids are playing and laughing. The house is filled with the life you've worked so hard to build. You are committed to protecting this life and everyone in it. Life insurance from USAA can help. Call 1-800-531-LIFE for a quote.